Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guests are my wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, and Dr. Robbie Sicka to talk about the latest on COVID and sports, including the Delta variant and long COVID. We've had some great guests lately, including Luis Garcia, Danny Higginbotham, and Mark McKenzie, among others. So check those out. Now, here's my interview with the two doctors. Our guests now are Dr. Celine Gounder and Dr. Robbie Sicka. Dr. Gounder is an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist at the New York University Grossman School of Medicine and Bellevue Hospital. She's also the host of the Epidemic Podcast, was a member of the Biden-Harris Transition COVID Advisory Board. She's also my wife, as you probably know. Uh, Dr. Sicka is a physician who's worked with a variety of sports leagues and different entertainment industry resources to manage COVID and has been involved since the start of the pandemic with the COVID Sports and Society Work Group, a public-private partnership which works with the CDC, the White House, and all the pro sports leagues. Until recently, he was the Vice President of Basketball Operations and Player Wellness with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he's presently working with the NFL and NBA teams on COVID and all things sports analytics. Thanks so much for coming on, both of you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us, Grant. Lots to talk about here because COVID is still very much a thing. And I guess we'll start, let's start with the Olympics, um, which are just concluding. We're coming out on Monday, August 9th and, and recording on Saturday the 7th. Robbie, what would you say about the Olympics protocols and how they've been instituted and how they've worked over the last couple of weeks? You know, I think when you look at the Olympics, you're going to look at the pre-Olympics, the intra-Olympics and the post-Olympics and as three separate categories. Pre-Olympics, there was obviously a lot of discussion as to whether this was safe and whether this was safe for Japan. The elimination of crowds probably was a really good thing to mitigate spread there. And by and large, the intra-Olympics has had a minimal amount of spread within teams. And a lot of that really is defined by the fact that, one, it's harder to create a bubble than to maintain it. They did a great job of pre-screening COVID cases before they got there. But the post-Olympics part is something that I think is to be determined. One, is there going to be spread of individuals who maybe acquired COVID or contracted COVID and bring it back to some of their countries? That's going to be a concern. We don't know, and we won't know that for a period of time. Number two, uh, I think understanding how the Olympics could be a platform to encourage vaccination and health equity across the world. How they end the Olympics is really going to define how that is uh, the legacy of the 2020-2021 the Olympics. And then I think really understanding uh, how we can take what we learned from this Olympics and apply it to the next Olympics as a public health platform. The Olympics is bigger than sport. It's the, the one thing that brings the world together using sport as a unifying theme, but it is bigger than sport. It's the representation of countries and what we have in the world to, to bring us together is something that we, we've got to use public health now to really uh, drive the 2024 Olympics in Paris as something that will hopefully not have COVID as the uh, prevailing topic and also something that I think can be a platform to encourage public health across the world. Robbie, you know, we've seen cases of COVID really shoot up in Japan. They're up over 200% in just the past two weeks. Cases are at an all-time high in Japan, higher than they were back in January when many countries saw a surge in cases. 
and a lot of this is Delta, only about a third of people in Japan are fully vaccinated. Do you think this recent surge is connected to the Olympics? Well, I think the first thing we know is that the surge was increasing even before the Olympics. And whether it was due to the Olympic events themselves or all of the setup, I think we have to separate out what happens on the field from all of the other elements of what goes on. The fact that they have testing uh, and masking by and large uh, is important. And it's, it's a reminder that vaccinations are best way out, but there are a lot of other strategies that will help minimize the public health burden of COVID, which include distancing, which include testing, which include uh, education. And all of those things are tied together here. There's no question when you have an event with 17,000 athletes in the Olympic Village, you're going to have some increased uh, number of people that are connected and that's bringing a large population to the community. I'm sure that that has contributed to spread, but they've also increased the amount of testing in the Olympic Village to minimize that spread to allow the events to occur. I, I give the Japanese government a lot of credit for pulling the plug on fans because I think that that would have been an unmitigated disaster in terms of bringing people in, especially given the heat and humidity that they're experiencing in Japan right now. I think having that many people indoors, um, just because it's frankly cooler, uh, probably would have led to a lot of spread and it's probably hard to, to mandate masking there too. Now, Pfizer offered to donate vaccines for all the Olympic athletes. Why didn't all the Olympic participants get vaccinated? You know, I think this is a challenge that we're not just facing with Olympic athletes. We're facing this with all members of the population. And these granular level gra grassroots conversations are tough. Celine, you have a lot of them, too, with different people. Uh, and it's hard to, to scale these small one-off conversations with individuals to encourage people to get vaccinated. Uh, but we do have to do a better job of, of really understanding and listening. I think this is less of a time for big PSAs and more of a time for individual granular level listening and conversations uh, with people to encourage vaccination. And then this is a conversation that I know you and I have had before. We've got to stop talking completely about the mortality associated with COVID and really focus on long COVID and getting that as a framework to understand how we can vaccinate young people, uh, because this is not a benign disease. Delta is a much more virulent variant that can impact young people through long COVID, not just mortality. Yeah, I was gonna ask later about long COVID. If you're someone who cares about your fitness, how should we think about long COVID? Yeah, I think this is a, an area of strong interest for me. It's really hard to prove uh, that COVID impacts sports performance when we're not even sure if having a prior ACL impacts your soccer performance, Grant. I mean, you write in soccer and how do we actually measure whether a soccer player is the same before uh, you know, or after an ACL, it's hard. The, the metrics and, you know, goals, um, the number of goals you have, it's not really the, the best metric to measure whether or not a soccer player is performing. So understanding how we're going to measure performance and strength and endurance, I think is an ongoing thing. Uh, the Fitbit uh, study that they did with uh, Scripps looked at heart rate variability, and they found that heart rate variability was increased for a prolonged period of time, uh, up to six weeks and even longer in some individuals with long COVID. But this is a, something that we really need to look at. And using pro sports, using college sports as a framework to understand how many athletes uh, were not able to participate is a, a really, really important thing to, to the efforts that Celine tries to, to implement 
at the broader population level. Robbie, what are we seeing in the sports leagues, the pro sports leagues right now with breakthrough infections? You know, I think it's a reflection of broader society. We're seeing cases everywhere right now. The viral burden in the community is massive. And, you know, Celine, you and I have talked about how many breakthrough infections there have been. They're a reflection of just the larger number of cases in the community. We expect to see more breakthrough cases when you have more cases in the community. Otherwise, you're just focused on the unvaxxed population, which is frankly a much, much bigger risk and a much, much bigger concern. Uh, those are the vulnerable individuals. The vaccines work. The vaccines work to, by and large, prevent severe disease. But we are seeing more breakthrough cases. And we haven't really found a, a great strategy to implement the masking and testing that we need. I mean, we're 17, 18 months into this pandemic. We have no national testing strategy. Getting people to mask despite being vaccinated seems to be a massive challenge that I think the sports leagues and um, other organizations really need to think about as it relates back to their games. And, uh, you know, really, how are we going to move forward with schools opening? We had a chance to hear from, from folks in England where the case counts are dropping in England. But a lot of that's a reflection of schools are closed. Students aren't testing in school. And once that opens up here in September, you're going to see those case numbers go up again. And they know that. So I think, you know, one I think one really important point with breakthrough infections is that among vaccinated people, they are still pretty rare. But then, of course, yeah. as you have more and more people who are vaccinated, um, you know, rare events, you're, you're going to see them. Um, what are you seeing in the sports leagues in terms of how that's playing out? You know, are people getting really sick if they have a breakthrough infection? Are they transmitting onward to other people? Yeah, I think the, the transmission part is something that is something that we're learning about. But I think the most important take home message for listeners here is that if you're vaccinated and you have a breakthrough case or you end up testing positive for COVID, those individuals are coming back much, much faster than individuals who are unvaccinated with COVID. I think that that's a, an absolute um, a, you know, stat that we've seen across all sports that if you are vaccinated and you test positive, you come back much, much faster than if you are unvaccinated. This is a different uh, type of virus than we're seeing now than what we saw last year at this time. This is a much higher viral load, a much more virulent and significant variant that impacts people of younger age and people sometimes without any comorbidities. If you're vaccinated, you are far more protected and likely to be able to return to sport and return to performance. I mean, Grant, I know you've written about this from the soccer realm. When an athlete returns from an ACL, we used to talk about, boy, is this athlete going to return? And at the beginning of COVID, we thought about, is an athlete going to return from COVID? Now it's about return to performance and return to performance with the vaccine is far, far more likely at a far, far less uh, amount of time than if you are unvaccinated. The professional sports leagues are really a unique context in which to study and learn about COVID. What are you guys doing in terms of testing that helps us better understand things like breakthrough infections better? Well, I think the, the hard part for the leagues is, look, I don't think anybody wants to be in a situation where everybody's doing daily testing. I mean, Celine, have, do you know any other organizations in the world that were doing daily testing for over a year? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that alone means that you're talking about 
a, a massive endeavor to test. So sharing those findings through a lot of the, the literature, the NFL had an MMWR publication, the NBA published um, and you know really funded the Saliva Direct project. And so to me, it's, you know, we're, we're starting to pull back on testing and that's broadly speaking in society. And so how should we be testing vaccinated people? How should we be protecting vaccinated people? I think goes to where is this pandemic headed? So I'll ask you a question, Celine. Where do you think this pandemic is headed in the coming months? And how do you feel uh, we should implement testing then? I think we declared mission accomplished back in May far too early. I, I think, you know, this idea that vaccinated people did not need to mask anymore was really premature. Um, We already had signals from overseas that Delta uh, was looming, a looming threat. Um, And I think people really need to be better prepared for this idea of this being a waxing and waning pandemic with surges, with waves over time. Um, And just because you're between waves or between surges does not mean the threat has gone away. I think, sorry, go ahead. No, no, we we took our foot off the gas. We thought, I agree, I completely agree that we thought we had won. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasileirao, the NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus, much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names, like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. What can sports leagues do to help with with the pandemic? You know, is it is it possible also to have vaccinations at sporting events, at tailgates, things like that? So, Grant, it's a great question. And look, the reality is we had six or seven days worth of vaccination events at the NBA Conference Finals. We had vaccination events at the NBA Finals, uh, MLB's All-Star Game and, you know, NFL training camps. I mean, there's been a ton of pro sports effort at using the platforms and using the audiences, unlike Lollapalooza, to vaccinate. What you need to project forward is starting in a month, we're going to have 50 Lollapaloozas every weekend in college football cities across America, every single weekend. And so we better be prepared to use that platform of college sports. And the reality is, if you look at those populations, the most unvaccinated people are in that 12 to 26 age group. And most of those people are either going to college tailgates or are going to be college sports fans, even more so than pro sports fans. So using college sports as that next framework is a really, really uh, important message and a really, really important opportunity for us. At the same time, it's not just about the vaccine in those situations. It is about using tailgates uh, as a framework for education and to do the right things. Is all of this of what we should be doing just about vaccinations or are there other things that we should be doing? 
Well, Celine, you know, I'll, I'll ask, I'll, I'll turn that over to you first, because to me, it's not just about vaccinations, but I'm curious to see as, a, as an expert in infectious disease, how would you approach kind of a four-pronged approach? And then I can kind of take it to what we're doing in corporate America. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've learned uh, during the pandemic is that you really need to layer different interventions. None is perfect. Uh, Vaccinations are highly effective. But we do need at least until most people are vaccinated to be continuing on with other things. And what are the other tools in our toolbox? Masking for sure. And I think we need to up our game a bit with the quality of masks. Cloth masks are okay, but um, now that we don't have the scarcity constraints that we had early in the pandemic, I really do think we should improve the quality of masks that we're using. I would recommend at a minimum a KN95 um, at this stage. So in addition to, to masking, I would also say ventilation. This is an aerosol yep. or airborne uh, virus. And so that means it could be you know, as simple as opening doors and windows that actually works very well. If you can create a cross breeze in an indoor space, it could mean um, socializing outdoors as much as possible. And then also upgrading your HVAC systems in some settings. And then testing. We, we really need to continue testing. It allows people to identify when they might be infected, be a risk uh, to others. And so to take themselves out, so to speak, out of play or just outside the workplace or outside of school so that they're not transmitting onward to others. And that yields really valuable information, whether it's what you guys are doing in the sports leagues with testing, the recent outbreak in Provincetown, those kinds of experiences show us that testing is really important for us to learn and keep tracking the virus. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think when we think about whether it's ventilation or some of these other things that we can do uh, within buildings, some of these things are going to pay dividends, not just for COVID, but for flu and other things as we go forward. So investing in the infrastructure there, look, it's just like investing in good roads and bridges. You won't know until it pays a dividend. So you'll never really understand how big of a difference uh, you're making there. Going back to some of the examples in corporate America, I think we're seeing a lot of employer vaccine mandates, and we're going to see even more in the coming weeks and months. And I think that that's a really important uh, message. But, you know, one of the companies that I advise for, we're talking about vaccine mandates. And a vaccine mandate doesn't change the entire risk profile for the organization, because, again, there's so many individuals in the community with the virus. So we really look at it as there are certain things in many businesses where people have to sometimes be unmasked to uh, conduct business. So because we have unmasked business that's occasionally being conducted, we also have a layer of testing. We mandate masks when you need a mask, or if you don't, if you're unable to wear a mask because of something you're doing for work, then we have a layer of testing for all of our individuals. And then from there, we also have a layer of education that people understand that I remember the first case that I had uh, with the Timberwolves, and I was, I was so mad. I was like, I can't believe we have a COVID case. I've done such a good job of preventing it. The whole organization has taken this so seriously, but you can't prevent every case. Your goal is to prevent outbreaks. Your goal is to prevent uh public health uh, concerns. And so for me, it's, I'm going to manage that case and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to make sure that that patient gets the best care possible, but I'm not going to let there be spread. And I think that's where employers, schools, that should be their goal. You're not going to prevent every case. You don't want spread within your building. So that goes back to the ventilation piece as well. Guys, this is really helpful just in terms of sports in general and soccer is obviously connected to all of this, including the Olympics. Um, 
I do want to ask about the World Cup in Qatar, which is coming in, strangely, November of 2022. So that's 15 months away. What we know now is they're saying that they are going to require vaccinations for anyone who attends the World Cup there. Uh, There's going to be a lot of U.S. fans uh, and American fans of Mexico and other countries who make that trip. Um, I know we're so far out at this point and so many things can happen in the next 15 months, but is there anything that you would suggest about anyone who, who might be wanting to go to that World Cup in Qatar or the authorities who are organizing that World Cup in Qatar, what they should be doing over the, the coming months? Well, I think when you think about the heat and the environment in a place like that and the fact that, you know, you are going to have some indoor events there too, um, you're going to have to make sure that just like we talked about, there are layers beyond vaccination to protect yourself. And we're getting to a point now where, look, this is likely, as Selena's alluded to, this is not just going to be a regional U.S. pandemic. This is going to be a regional pandemic throughout the world where, things pop up, you're going to have to mitigate. These are massive events where you could argue that the World Cup in some situations is not just about what's going to go on in Qatar. It's about all the viewing parties that are going to go on in England, Germany, Italy, and everywhere else where there are fans. So how are you going to turn that event in the same way that we dealt with Euro Cup and some of these other soccer events this summer being methods of transmission? How are you going to collectively educate people across the globe. And what I what I hope the Olympics and the last few days of the Olympics turn into is a messaging platform for the world to come together. We really need to work together to understand that this virus is going to persist in the environment and in the community until the world comes together to get the vaccines to the right individuals around the world and to really, really effort to reduce the spread all around the globe, not just in the United States, but we've got to continue this push that South Africa and Botswana and India and Russia all matter just as much as the United States. Celine, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, to the discussion that we haven't addressed already? Yeah, I think this framing that we've been hearing a lot lately of this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, I find that framing to really be problematic for a number of reasons. And this has relevance to sports. It has relevance really to to all of us. Um, The problem with that is no vaccine is perfect. And as long as you have very high levels of transmission of the virus in the community, some vaccinated people are going to be infected. Um, Most of those infections seem to be quite mild, maybe even asymptomatic, so no symptoms at all. These people are not ending up with severe disease, hospitalization, and death. But there's still a lot we don't know, for example, about long COVID. Could some of these people with breakthrough infections get long COVID? We don't know. And the best way to protect them isn't necessarily to give people who've already been vaccinated extra doses. What will actually insulate them better is just to reduce the amount of virus around them. And that means vaccinating other people around them. Um, So I think that's a message that just has not gotten through. People view this through this highly individualistic lens of it's my individual rights. It's my individual, you know, decision, responsibility. uh, It's my individual protection. And I think we need to move away from that to this sense of community immunity, uh, a social responsibility. And as 
Robbie alluded to, you know, also thinking about not just what's happening here in the United States, but also elsewhere, because that really does predict what will be the next variant and what will that mean for us here in the United States? Robbie, any any parting thoughts from your end? No, I just I really appreciate the fact that, Grant, both you and Celine have taken it upon yourselves to message um, the right message to the community that this is a, a pandemic that is going to continue to evolve, but that we need to evolve with it. This is not the same virus that we dealt with last year. Uh, you know, we've lost over 600,000 people in the United States and millions across the world. There are real implications to long COVID, really understanding how we can educate young people that this is not benign. I think we are um, likely to have significant health impacts for years to come from this pandemic as a result of long COVID, even if one to two or 10% of individuals who test positive develop long symptoms. That's a huge health burden that the world has never seen before. At the, the size of our global population, we really have to take that into account because employers, sports leagues, entertainment, they're all going to be impacted. And I think for right now, the hope is that we can continue to vaccinate people and we can continue to, to test and, and mask. But we really need to have a, a better, broader public health strategy to identify pandemics and identify some of these public health concerns before they happen going forward. We've got to work together globally and domestically to have a, a better infrastructure because as much as I love pro sports and as much as I admire the pro sports leagues uh, and everybody who's worked with the COVID Sports and Society work group, it's pretty crazy to think that pro sports has done as much as they have to help the pandemic because before this, they were just sports leagues. And now they're the ones who are leading the charge. And to me, I'll, I'll always be grateful for the opportunity uh, because it's brought really great people like, like Celine and I together to, to work on some different things. So I, I'm really happy with that. But I also think it's, it's quite crazy to think that that's what it took and that uh, if we don't do something with that message, then uh, we're really going to be wasting this opportunity. Well, Dr. Celine Gounder and Dr. Robbie Sika, thank you so much for everything you've been doing and continue to do. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Grant. Appreciate it. Thanks, Celine. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Dr. Celine Gounder and Dr. Robbie Sicka, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview with someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. Mm-hmm.